Glory, glory, Tottenham Hotspur. Glory, glory, Tottenham Hotspur. Glory, glory, Tottenham Hotspur. And the Spurs go marching on. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Keep It 111. My name is Andy, and I'm joined by the other main man, Anha. And welcome to this special Friday edition of the podcast. And Sanha, I am so looking forward to this episode because I only have W's to report this week. I got to tell you, man. What do you mean? I only got W's to report. I only got W's to report. And and for the folks, we're going to get to them one by one. We're going to start with the EPL. Uh, What we can really expect going into final game day. And what we saw midweek, of course, Everton surviving and Arsenal dropping what they had in hand. They had the top four right in their grasp and they dropped it. And we're going to talk about that. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the NFL. You have a little bit of stuff to say there. And then we're going to end off with NBA. And we're, we're because it is the conference finals, but we, we do have to mention a little bit about the context under how these uh, conference finals matchups emerged. And then we'll, of course, get to what we've seen so far in the one or two games. Yep. Um, let's first start off with the Premier League, man, um, yeah, and right. talk about the biggest story this week, without a doubt, Everton surviving. It was a, it was a great game, honestly. First half, Everton was awful. I mean, this is the ever. This is why they are in this predicament to begin with. What the form uh. that they showed in the first half was exactly right. The reason why they are fighting for relegation, and then in the second half, Mr. Frank Lampard puts in Deli Alley, and the game just changes. The and one. of course, you know the fans at Goodison were not gonna, you know, go down quietly. That first goal goes in, and then. You know, the momentum just changes, and uh, Deli Alley played superbly, and it's so poetic how Richarlison, the guy who has been scoring the goals, just keeping Everton within striking distance of, yeah. you know, staying in, in the top flight, and then he, of course, you know, gets them level, and then the man who they, the, the last piece in the puzzle that they desperately needed to work all season Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who was so good for them last season, yep. puts away the winner. And in the final moments, he arrives and he delivers the biggest goal in the entire campaign. And we saw absolute mayhem at the end of that game. We, we saw absolute mayhem after Dominic Calvert-Lewin's goal. And yeah, you know, yeah. fans were already running out. And then they had to, they had to you know, push him out. And then, the, and then, of course, Everton survived seven minutes of stoppage time. And after that was, it, it just seemed like, it seemed like a college foot, a college basketball final, you know, just yeah, really everybody did, yeah. running onto the, everybody running onto the court. And it was, crazy. it was, it was, uh, it, it was, it was crazy. I mean, what are your thoughts on what you saw, Sana? You know, if like knowing how big soccer or football is over there, it really is like the equivalent of how crazy people are for for college football here, maybe even more, you know. Um, 
because at least at least in the states here you know we have multiple sports that people are kind of very passionate about in europe and in england it, it's soccer like that's that's it you know you you pour your entire heart into this one sport into this one team and so that's kind of how it felt um is you know you really felt the passion of the fans there and it, it was um it was fun to see obviously like for one side it's not good and for the other side it is good but it was um it was a a fun sight to see um i i it made me really want to attend a game like live i've never attended an epl game live and i would love to do that one day because it it just looks like a blast it does look like a blast and and the thing is is though like you're never going to get an experience like goodison the other night yeah like that's that's not an ordinary game right um but yeah the chanting you know that's it's just another level because let's let's be honest american sports is kind of just like you know go pats go go pats go and it's kind of and then you know england you know they they create you know like i was chanting in the beginning they 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 come up with you know something special you know they have their own characteristic you know chance that everybody knows and they all like chant in unison and it's 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 not a culture that you see here and sometimes you know i i wonder because you know you and i we've for most of our lives we've always lived in you know areas or metro areas where there are multiple teams yeah, right yeah uh you know there are still you know some cities at, like granted not very big ones that only have you know one major team right 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 so like let's talk about like for example like Birmingham Alabama right they only have that one college football yeah, team. Yeah, yeah. And so I'd imagine, you know, maybe living in a place where, you know, like, you know, if you're into athletics at all, you are kind of, you know, that's the only team in your town to root for. Maybe it feels a little bit different, right? And yeah, that's that's yeah. In, that's something that Possible. I'd be curious to, like, you know, know about somebody who, like, you know, either lives in those kinds of areas. The thing is, is like, you know, any, any, any major city in the U.S., your chances are you're going to have something more than more than one sport yeah, right yeah um you know upwards of like four or five you know if you're including mls things yep. like that so yep. so it is it, it is it's it is a unique experience um but i mean we have to mention the incident i mean for which this episode <laughs> is Vieira. <laughs> um so, so there was footage right and it's so funny because the 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 fan who was filming this as he was you know annoying Vieira actually released it in public and I saw it and of oh, course yeah. the footage wasn't great because he was getting you know Kicked. hit and the camera's just like going wild yeah, everywhere yeah. but um there was footage where a, a fan was annoying Vieira I'm not sure what he said but yeah, Vieira retaliates I don't know man I I I can imagine the worst hoping it's not um but. Vieira retaliated very in animated fashion, um, for nice. sure. You know, physically, you know, you know, pushing and kicking, and um, it was it was one of those moments where, like, I knew immediately, like, right or wrong, he's gonna get fined. That's my knee jerk reaction. Yeah, right? bro, like, yeah, yeah. You, like, I mean, no but, but like, I guess, say, like, you with probably the, shouldn't kick him. Right, exactly. Like that's that's kind of the problem. It's it's like it's like a Zidane thing all over again, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess. I mean, is, is are those kind of your thoughts with the incident? You're kind of just like you know, 
Probably like in in terms of like a street, you know, in, in street etiquette, you would say that like, you know, maybe it's warranted, but at the end of the day, you can't condone retaliation like that or is it just you, you just think the straight the retaliation is just like you know no place like what, what's your thought i mean if i'm honest like i would have kicked him <laughs> yeah like, I, I think if we're all being honest yeah like i yeah to to a certain extent yeah like there's a there's a part of me that's like you're a professional like you shouldn't be interacting physically with fans or really like anyone in any way but at the same time, like as a competitor, you like to see like the, the fire in, you know, even though he's not a player anymore, like that's also important to have on your staff, right? And as, as a manager or coach. Um, so seeing like the competitive fire is something that I appreciated. Should he have done it? Probably not. But like, I'm not going to give him too much slack for it, to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm in the same camp. Like, and, and if you like look at the way that he engaged physically, like it wasn't, it definitely wasn't like actually like threatening to injure the dude like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. severely. It was like get off. I mean, me, like, get away from me. Exactly, yeah. but and then yeah, like the kick is kind of suspect, but I mean, Pierre is a football player. <laughs> you know, like that's it's just instinct for him, right? It's pretty. Funny. He's gonna engage. If he's going to engage physically with a foreign object, it's going to be with his foot. <laughs> so, I mean, in some way, like, you know, like, like kicking, the kicking part is kind of sus, like, you know, but it's not like Chan Ho Park, you know, uh, throwing a kick. It's, yes. yeah, it, it's, it's a little bit, you know, and, and, you know, he had, he didn't have like cleats on or anything. So I don't think yeah, it was like yeah. too dangerous. It's not like he was trying to maim him or anything. It was literally just like, yeah, you're annoying the shit out of me. I'm going to kick you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I think, I think, I, I think he probably deserves the fine. He deserves yeah. the fine. I think, like you yeah, know, but yeah. it's one of those things where, like you know, I think deep down, yeah, I, I really don't think any less of Vieira or any differently of him after the incident at all. Yeah, really, you know, it's just competitive. You know, things like you know, things happen. People are fine for all kinds of stuff, and I mean, yeah, you know, I think. I think it's fine. It's and hopefully the fine's going to be a drop in the bucket for him anyway. So, you know, and I'm sure like you know he he might he for all we know he might look back on it and be like, yep, would have done it again. <laughs> you he know, probably would. I don't blame him. Yeah, I don't blame him. Either. Exactly right. Good for him. Um, yeah. Let let let's uh let, let's talk about the other the earlier result. And it makes me very happy to report that Arsenal did not just bottle their match against Newcastle. They were thoroughly outplayed. And it was it was an exemplary uh you know piece of evidence of why Arsenal do not deserve to play in the Champions League next season, Sanha. I, I think they have no business being in there. And if you look at the table, you know, before Spurs were playing Spurs were in very poor shape afternoon. They were in the mid ta- they were squarely mid table after Nuno left them. They were in shambles, you know. Conte had to pick up like, you know, the broken pieces, put it together, and ever since Conte came in, he I I believe I believe by points like he's he's at the third best team I think after in terms of points yeah. uh taken out of available, yeah. even better than Chelsea, I believe. Yeah. And this Conte Spurs uh, team is 
just more professional. They are they less make less mistakes. They are mentally tougher, and they have more quality. And I don't see any reason why you know people are thinking you know it was it was Arsenal's to lose. I really don't think Arsenal had any business playing in the Champions League next season. I mean, it was Arsenal's to lose from like the points, like how, how the standings and the table like was shaking down, right? It's like from that perspective, it was. No, there I to understand lose. that. Yeah, I understand from that, that perspective. But you're right in that. You know, any way you really put it, as much as, you know, I don't like either team, Tottenham is the better team um, and is, to be frank, more deserving of Champions League football than, than our... <laughs> for the podcasters, Andy is trying to desperately, you know, rip the Tottenham logo off his jersey and shove it into the camera. Um so, you know, it, um, it's a fine result. It's a fine result. Um, they're the four best international teams are probably going up into the Champions League from the Prem um, next season. So that's always like, I'm always a fan for that, right? Like, I want that to happen. I want our four best teams to go and represent the league um in the champions league and because i want the best competition like i want i just want to see the best competition of football um in the champions league and so i you know i have i have no qualms with the result um even though my team is not up there because my team sucks i think i think we do need to say like you know i because I, I do want to mention something about chelsea because they secured a draw and so they're three points above uh, above Spurs, and even if Spurs win and Chelsea loses this Sunday, it's very unlikely Spurs are going to catch them a goal differential. But if I'm going to be quite frank, Chelsea have not looked good. I mean, this is a team that was right up there with Liverpool and City at some point in the season. And before the season, some people were saying, I mean, they're going to win the whole thing because they're coming off a Champions League, you know, win. That's, 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 and they added Lukaku to the squad. And so we all thought that Chelsea were going to put up a much better final result in the table than this. And I, 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 I'm starting to get, you know, question marks about Thomas Tuchel and whether he's the guy that, you know, Chelsea can proceed with because it's no deficit of quality up there he's got Werner he's got Havertz he's got Lukaku these are quality guys that could play Captain America and we can talk about the wingers as well we can talk about Christian Pulisic right and so a lot of quality up front and they're struggling to score goals you know eked out a 1-1 draw this week and so it's I don't know like something's got to change with that squad but you know but at the same time, I give them a little bit of slack because they had a lot of, you know, issues with like, you know, embargoes with exactly. the ownership this season. Exactly. And yeah. so, but I think, well, here's the thing. After, after Tuchel won the Champions League, I thought his job is like safe for like another like two, three years. Mm. I'm not so sure anymore. I don't think so. Yeah. Like, I, I think 
Well, yeah, because well, given the squad that he had winning the Champions League, like it was he they were not like, you know, super favorites or anything like that. Yeah. They had to they had to they had to earn that, right? And yeah. and so next season, you know, I kind of have my eyes on Chelsea um because of course they have the quality and I'm sure they're going to make moves to better the team. But I think especially for Tuchel, he's not in a in a secure position, right? And so I, I think it's something to look out for. Yeah, he he's definitely not. Um, and I think you you hit the the nail on the head. Um, the issue is that they just they're just not scoring despite despite the quality or at least the perceived quality that they have up front. Um, you you named the the big names there, right? Um, and then Pulisic and Aku Werner, like that should be enough, right? Those are big time. Maybe not like the 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 highest like top top tier of of forwards, but certainly like in that next tier, they're they're certainly world class players who you know are deserving to be playing Champions League football every single year. Like they're they're that quality of players. Um, so it's going to be interesting. There already there are already plenty of talks of you know who are they going to sign um, at forward to to kind of you know give them more offensive potency than they've had this season um and then if if they kind of the question is for this team so they just got a new owner like when when did that sale even go through it it was last week it must have been last week i I feel like i feel like it was this month maybe even it was Was very early yeah it's very recent i think it was like last it is not it has not been very long since um this team has just been sold to to a new owner um and so the question is going to be for the owner you know where where do his ambitions lie like is perennial third place in the epl and champions league football every year good enough for him and if it is then keeping tuchel it's fine it's kind of fine um but if you want to be really challenging liverpool and city uh to win the to win both champions league and the epl then there needs to be some sort of change um, in the team because right now I think it's very clear that there is a uh, quite a gap between the top two teams in the league and then the rest. Yeah, I, I struggle to find, you know, what options are there for forward, really, because Holland now confirmed to City and mm-hmm. Mbappe... It seems like a two-horse race between Madrid and whether PSG can keep him. And so you look at the pieces you have and Lukaku at Inter, his, his Inter form, if you can get that in Chelsea, they don't have a better option in the market. But the question is, are you going to get that? And I feel like most fans, um, the management don't seem to believe in that. Um, so I don't know. Like I don't think anything out there in the market is going to come in with higher expectations than what Lukaku came in with, which doesn't really bode well for, you know, Chelsea being able to solve their scoring problems overnight. And so I think this is why I'm also, again, concerned about whether Tuchel's going to, you know, whether that seed is warming up, you know, that's for sure. Yeah. And, and the question is then like, are, have we run out of 
elite top tier forwards to support, you know, like, I don't know, 10 top tier teams? Like, are there just not enough super elite forwards for for all the top teams? Because you're right that like we've kind of run like I don't know who they who they could possibly sign that's better than Lukaku. I th- it just feels like there are a lot of like good ones, yeah, like exactly. great players. But there's like it it does seem a little bit thinner at the top, and then it just it 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 broadens out once you go to the next level. Like Vlahovic is like an example, but he's like not in a, in the tier of you know. Um, Mbappe or Holland, right, right, exactly. And, and Vlahovic was a very big name in the winter, um, in the January transfer window, and so I think there are a bunch of guys like him, maybe, but that I think is not going to be the answer for Chelsea to at least like to definitely definitely not get over you know the the Man City and Liverpool gap, especially after City added Holland. Like, I don't see how you can challenge that. Really. Yeah, I don't. I don't know either. It's they're gonna have to they're gonna have to develop someone it's it's is the answer right it's um yeah i think i think the thing is like you know the all the players they have like you know quality wise on paper those are all really good players and i find a way to really struggle to like get better players in that are they have more quality or like significantly more quality on paper yeah it's just a matter of do you see a player out there with similar quality that's going to fit better and be like you know produce more based on that and like that's always hard i feel like yeah it's 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 hard and the thing the weirdest the the good thing for chelsea is that you know barring lukaku who is still you know under the age of 30 but you know barring lukaku you have all young like fairly young prospects your oldest one is like inverter is 26 still um oh yeah they they have such good pieces you know chillwell you know, Reese James, excellent player. Um, so they have they have like really good like p- pieces at the back. I mean, Rudiger. I mean, we heard is leaving, but I'm sure they can replace Rudiger. I mean, Rudiger's a great player, but he I think he can be replaced. Right. Yeah. Um, with the they'll, with they'll the, be, with the they'll be of perfectly money. fine. They'll yeah. be perfectly fine in the back. Yeah. They, they have a lot of young talent still. They have a lot of young quality pieces on the roster yep, still. Mason Mount. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Mason Mount. You already mentioned Kai. Like. These are these are young players under the age of twenty five with great potential. Um, you know they just need to they need to bring out the best in in the players um, and see them develop. Is Tuchel the the right guy to do that? I'm not sure. Um, I guess we'll see. Yeah. I guess we'll see this year. Like what you if I'm the owner, right? If I'm the new owner of this, what I want to see from this team is I want to see development and progress from my young stars from guys like Pulisic, Kai Havertz, Mace Mount like these the I want to see development under the tutelage of Tuchel otherwise I I need someone else in here to to manage the team because that's the strength of my team the strength of my team right now are the young pieces that have a lot of potential and I need I need a manager who can who can you know make the most of that? Yeah, I agree. I, I I don't. I mean, you're kind of forced to like lean on the young talent a little bit because I don't see you know how to make improvements um, with just a lot of money. 
and bringing in you know big uh, big names uh, for using the transfer window. I because because you know they've already done that yeah. and and it didn't work out. Um, you could honestly argue that Werner was even more of like a a win now transfer rather than a development transfer because he already showed a lot of offensive production at um, Leipzig before he came in yep. and Lukaku as well yep. right so those were uh, Werner he's he's 26 but uh, to me he is not a purchase that was for the future I mean he is based on age but it was more of a they, he needs to come in, into the starting lineup and start scoring now. Yeah, he was, he was established at, 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 at Leipzig. He was, yeah. he was their go-to International, scorer. yeah. Uh, in their... International experience. Yeah. yeah. During, their, during their, like, peak season, too, right? During their, their hottest season, he was their go-to scorer, and that, that's what they brought him in for. Right. Yeah, and it just it hasn't worked out for him. I, I don't know what it is. Like, it's become almost a meme of how, like, incompetent he is, like, compared to the expectations that he came in with. It's, it's so really I think bizarre. Chelsea's a very interesting, yeah. Yeah, yeah it is. It is. Um, going into final uh, game day, Sunday, Sunday, 11 a.m., I'm going to, you know, definitely, I don't know, get some, get some snacks or something and, uh, I don't know, get, get, like, four screens or something and try to watch some mini games or something because... Uh, we have we have a lot of things that still need to be decided. I mean, Everton survived relegation, but Burnley and Leeds are still in the mud, right? Yep. They're still trying to fight it out. And um, got to say, I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I like Burnley's chances. Um, Leeds do not look inspiring at all. Absolutely, and, and Burnley, in fact, have two wins in their in their in their last two games. Um, they're they're in good form here. Uh, obviously, the goal differential is, is miles apart from from Leeds, so you know there's no contest there. Um, the question is, so what do you know what the time of their fixtures are? Or do they play on the same I think they're day? all at eleven. They're I think, all I think at they're 11? all with... Oh dear God. See, that makes it so much harder, right? Yeah, I, they do that on purpose. They do that on purpose, man. It's for Burnley, because you don't know, you right? You don't if you knew already what the the lead's um result was, then you could there's a lot less pressure. Um Oh no, 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 yeah. So it that it'll be interesting to to see uh, how it shakes out. Um, obviously, I would prefer again, similar to sending the best teams into into champs, right? I would prefer to to send the worst teams um, down into relegation. And I I believe, like based on what we've seen all season, it's pretty clear that Leeds belongs in that in that bottom three. Um. But you know it, it'll it'll be a shame if if Burnley falls down there. Uh, will I laugh at them? Yeah, probably I will. But like, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's and I think it's a toss up. I mean, Leeds are playing Brentford away. Burnley are playing Newcastle, Newcastle. which are a better team yeah. at home, yeah. right? So I think it's I think it's a pretty big toss up. I would say I would say Burnley's got the slightly more difficult fixture. Just based on Newcastle just thrashing Arsenal earlier this week, yeah. But they even are Brentford has not been bad. Oh no, and and Leeds, you know, don't forget they're they're playing that one away. So right, right, um, exactly. That's that's not both both teams. I could see losing to be honest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and and nothing changes, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, Burnley made. I think Burnley deserved to stay up because they've shown more ambition. They ensured more ambition during the transfer window. They they picked up Maxwell Corne. They got Valveghorst. Like they 
they showed more desire to try to or and desperation i think and and, and off that they deserve it as an opponent i always like playing leads because they feel like an easier three points Burnley never feels like an easy three points. It, they really don't. And yeah. I guess that also goes to show you that they deserve to stay in more. But Exactly. Um, like, you, you, yeah. when you compare the two teams, when you just think about the two teams, you just you put Burnley in a different class than you put Leeds in. So, Right. Yeah. Right. Leeds is like, you know, they'll get, they'll get three points, you know, against like the weaker teams. But Burnley's going to, you know, grind out points you know one point you know against the top six team here you know they'll, they'll like scrap together points right right and, and leads really depends a lot on you know coming out, out on top against you know the bottom half of the table to to get points that way which i think you know and they just get steamrolled by really good teams uh just uh, it, they're just in it's such an easy target so yeah uh, united and that's the other big one west ham yeah, I, people don't talk about it this too much because I mean, the Europa League still at the end of the day is a better, older, more prestigious competition than the Conference League. hundred oh, percent. United would, United would like to, you know, United would like that, right? So and... let, let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. Let let me make the case for why there should be no way in fucking hell that West Ham should go to Europa. Okay. If West Ham had won Europa this year, if they had won Europa, then all five, six, and seven teams in the Prem would be going to Europa this year. But it's their own fault that we don't have three clubs going to fucking Europa this year. If any team deserves to not make the Europa, it's fucking West Ham. Or that's it. I mean, I, I can I can understand it. It's it's kind of like Arsenal, like not getting into champs because they kind of suffered because of the same issue of depth. And West Ham, I think the fixture congestion bit them in the end, and they just weren't able to handle the schedule. And yeah, but the thing is, is that like you know, I think quality-wise, yeah, quality-wise, United's probably on. a better team. Also, yeah, who's gonna make yeah. more signings in the off-season? That's true. Is Declan Rice even staying? I think like I need I need to catch up on that news because I, I really know. am not sure what's gonna happen with West Ham. Is Jared Bowen going somewhere? Who knows? Right? Knows, like yeah. it's um, the entire team can fall apart. Right, right. But, you know, they could they could be conference league champions. You know, I could see that. Um and then finally, of course, Man City, Liverpool. I, I don't think we need to talk about top four, right? I mean it's pretty No, tough. no, no. It's pretty it's chalk it up as a W. It I heard something about Kane Kane uh, uh nursing an illness and but even then I'm like, yeah, no no no. You know what's even better? Put Son up top, you know. Atava striker, let him get two goals. Let him let him poach that golden boot. I don't care. You know what? It's a W. Signed, sealed, delivered. Um, City versus Liverpool, though, one point behind. But you have to think City's going to get the job done, right? Is there is there is there any doubt in your mind? I don't know, man. I don't know. Anything 
could happen here. You really think Villa is going to get points at Etihad? It's possible. The only reason why I don't think it's happening is because Steven Gerrard has been an absolute shite manager. It's true, but... This is, a, this is a Villa team I genuinely thought was going to finish top 10 this season. I genuinely thought that. Well, if you genuinely thought that, then they may genuinely have a chance to, you know, come out with a draw. Well, no, their form is showing you that they're completely, like, you know, underperforming. They have all the quality, and for 37 games, after 37 games, they ended up here. Why should I change my opinion now? I, 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 I retracted the, uh, the high regard that I had for this team, you know, in, in the past 37 games. And there's no you way know, that I'm going to get In you know, their most recent game against Liverpool, it was a 2-1, you know. Oh, Liverpool. No, 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 no. You can't read Liverpool scores like that. They just toy with you. They're, they're professional. They're, they're professionally, you know, just like uh, winning games by like, you know. Liverpool score, scores are so deceptive because they'll just say a one goal win. But you know what? Liverpool knew exactly what they were doing. Man, I just want to all make the, the time. Ca- I just want to make the case for City losing, but yeah, I don't think it's gonna happen. It's um... no, no, it, losing definitely not, and even drawing, I don't see. Oh that yeah, happening. losing definitely, definitely not. Um, well, the, well, they have to win, I think. You know, because Liverpool, well, Liverpool Wolves Liverpool. is actually, I would say the. Liverpool Wolves is probably closer in turn on like on paper, but Wolves, have you seen their recent form? Their recent bad. form might be worse than fucking Villa's. Like it's, it's That's true. It's really, really bad. Um, and that and, and that one that one's at Anfield, which is like yeah, I would say is impossible much to tougher at. than yeah. The, yeah, yeah. But you know, to be fair, if you if you consider motivation at all. You know, City needs this more than Liverpool, who are playing in the Champions League final in a week. They'll need it probably. I mean, Liverpool's <laughs> really hungry for that historic quadruple. You know, true. I would say, I would say they're true. also true. You know, actually, that that's actually true. Um, that would be pretty big. Actually, like, they're they're on the verge of like being immortalized. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially after their. When was it? The, the, was it 2020 yeah, that they won the EPL? No, no, no. Oh, when, yeah. when they won the EPL during the COVID season and people were saying, you know, there weren't fans, so it's not the same. Like, there's an asterisk. It's, it's like, it's the equivalent of, like, the bubble mm. championship, you know? Like, so mm. that was kind of taken away from them a little bit. And so they, they'd, like, they'd like to take this one. Yeah, and it's and it already seems that City's making strides, adding Holland. So it doesn't seem like the the this this quest is going to become any easier for them. Like yeah. this is, you know, they they have to you know do whatever it takes to try to cash in or or do their job, you know, yeah. and get the W. So, um, I don't know. I think we're I think we're going to see both Ws, um, in City winning the uh, EPL this year. Guess we'll see. All right, man. Um, I think we can move on though. Let's yeah. uh, talk yeah. about NFL. What do you got for us, buddy? Well, so, so the NFL schedule was released, and you know, obviously, the the the, the biggest hype of the schedule being released is uh, like the betting. Uh, like people can start to formulate what the season is actually going to look like, what the scores are going to be, what the what the standings are going to look like, etc. Um, once you get the once you get the schedule out here, um, but I think one of the things that it has been talked about a little bit, but is probably missed out a lot on is 
this concept of like schedule equity is uh, the idea that there are certain teams that get absolutely cucked in scheduling year after year after year um, versus teams who are consistently have some sort of favorable scheduling. Um, and so how the, so to talk about it, there are two like things that we need to talk to discuss. The first thing is how the NFL actually comes up with the schedule. So the NFL's goal is not schedule equity, obviously. Their goal is to make as much money as possible, which means how can we put on the most prime time games that are going to have the greatest storylines, et cetera, et cetera. Like that's their goal. Their goal is how can we put on the most prime time games in a year and, and, and make the most um, money out of each one of our, our games. Uh, that's their goal. So that's one thing. The second thing is that, okay, so then what makes a schedule more or less equitable for a team? So there are like a few like different things to consider here. Like the first thing is um, the difference in number of days to prepare and or rest versus your opponent, right? So in, in NFL, there are, uh, like in many other sports, there are different kind of schedule cadences where you can play on Sunday, you can play on Monday, you can play on Thursday. So depending on which day you play on in one week and then the next week, there's a difference. There can be a difference in the number of rest days that you have for you and your opponent. So obviously you want to have more rest days than your opponent, generally speaking. Um, and so that's the first thing. Then the second thing is um, how much travel you're doing between your games. So if you're a West Coast team and you have to go to the East Coast and then you come back to the West Coast, but then you have another East Coast game the following week, like, how do you deal with that? There's obviously like jet lag is a real thing when there's three hours, right? Um, and also travel fatigue is a real thing. And also not being able to be in your own facility for, you know, days on the week, that's another real thing. And then on top of it, now there are more international competitions. There are competitions in Mexico. Their competitions in England and now in Germany as well will have this year for the first time. And so, you know, how do you factor in those trips with the the, the schedule inequity? Like there are a, a lot of factors here um, that, that, that need to be taken into consideration that the, obviously the NFL doesn't care about. But if you look at like the actual statistics around you know, uh, the schedule inequity in terms of the different factors that I just talked about, there are consistently teams that are cucked. And there are consistently teams that are given favorable schedules. And, but the interesting thing here is that the favorable schedules don't always correlate to a favorable performance, especially in the playoffs, which you would expect. Um, so... This is not fully up to date, but I'm like, I'm looking at a chart of, you know, looking at 10 years of, of season equity towards the bottom of the list, the Eagles, the Giants, the Colts, the Seahawks, the Bears, and the Patriots, interestingly enough. So it, it's, it's an interesting, like, mixture of teams there because I would argue, you know, most of the teams have been decent other than maybe the Bears. So, so I, I, I just want to ask a question. So, 
because I think the one thing, one factor that you haven't, or maybe you did mention is difficulty of opponents, right? And this, of course, varies by division. And you, and I think you've spoken ad nauseum in the past about, you know, Patriots, I mean, not anymore, but once upon a time, not too recently ago, you know, just pre-Josh Allen era, the Patriots would just get free dubs all over their schedule in, <laughs> by virtue of being in a certain division, right? Yeah. And so I'm assuming this list that you've, you know, collected is controlling for that because I am surprised to see, I mean, depending on the timeline, uh, the, the time scale of, you know, uh, you know, uh, the schedules being accounted for, you would not expect that, right? So it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not, gotcha. it's not, account- it's, it's, um, excluding anything like that because, um, gotcha. that's not, that's not controlled really by the NFL because you, so like you in your games, well, for the most part, so like how you're, which teams you face up against, is kind of like on a rotation. It's like, you face obviously your division opponents twice a year, and then you face an uh, like in division or in conference teams, and then you there's an out of conference division that you have to play all the teams in, and that rotates like every year. So like which teams you play are generally just kind of you know on a on a cycle. So that is not controlled really, not really by the for for the most part so we're taking that out of out of the equation we're only looking at the aspect of the schedule that is wholly controlled by the nfl which is you know scheduling which day you play on um Mm. and and how much rest did you get versus the other team that you're going to play on that day how much travel are you going to do versus the other team etc right that that's something that the nfl can control that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, like if you if you look at the last like ten years, this is twenty eleven to twenty twenty. Those are the teams that I mentioned are like the the bottom six in terms of like consistently getting cut over the last ten years. Um, but interestingly, at the top of the list are the Browns, Jaguars, the Panthers, the Lions, like. These are teams that have been for the last 10 years been getting favorable schedules like every year and yet they suck so much. How? Well, I, I, I think this is where, right? I think the, um, the difficulty of the opponents has to be accounted for, right? Like, it, it, you know, like... It, 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 I, I don't know. I don't have another explanation for it. Literally, how? Okay, no, but wait, 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 were the Cowboys in the bottom of the list? Cowboy, no, no, no. Cowboys are oh, in the interesting. top ten. In the top ten. So, so I'll, I'll point out some like interesting cases here. Um, towards the top of the list are the Bengals, actually, and they were number five last year. Um, who, and then they ended up winning the Super Bowl. So. It, it, also, towards the top of the list in the last 10 years, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're number eight. Um, the Rams, I believe, last year, they were, uh, they were in the top 10 as well. So it's like when you have this combination of a good schedule and you have good quality on your football team, then you may be just 
you know, more likely to actually reach the Super Bowl. Because you have to think about a lot of the NFL is, yes, you have to have a lot of good quality players on your team, but a lot of it is really about having depth and like getting through the season uh, without a lot of injuries to your key players. And that was the case for the Bengals last year. The Rams, for the most part, you know, they, they, they battled some injuries for sure, but their key players, most of them played in that Super Bowl game um, and, and deep into the playoffs. So, like, rest is a, a very heavy and important component to getting through the playoffs, um, and having a favorable schedule can be super helpful with that. But yeah, I just wanted to bring this up and go on this little tirade here of, you know, something that the NFL can do is, is account for this kind of schedule uh, inequity and at least make sure that like the teams that are playing on a given day are having like approximately the same number of like rest days before like coming into the game. Um, because it's also in the best interest of the of the player safety. Because imagine, imagine that you just played a Monday night game. Okay, this is kind of an extreme example. Okay, let's say you, you played a Sunday night game, and then you have to play a Thursday night game. But um, the following week. So you have, what, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. You have three days, really, of, of rest. Um, and then you have to play your next game. But the team that you're playing against, let's say they had a bye which is completely possible and happens, which means that they've had at least like 10 plus days of rest. So in terms of player like safety and health, imagine that you're a team that literally just got beaten up three days ago and you have to go up against a team that's like fully rested. They've had 10 days to, to be fully healthy. Who do you think is going to sustain more injuries in that game? <laughs> like, I don't have to be a doctor to tell you that it's going to be the team that had you know, significantly fewer days of rest than the team that is, like, fully, fully rested and, and back. So, like, in terms of both, like, having fair competition, but also thinking about, like, the, the health and the safety of the players, having an, an equ a more equitable schedule, especially across a lar long period of time, because this is, we're talking about, this, this analysis has been done over the last 10 years, and it's, like, pretty consistent, the teams that are at the top or the bottom, like, if you consider that, it, it's, it's, the NFL has, I wouldn't say the obligation, but they have, they have 100% of the, the power to control the equity of their schedule. Is, is it a thing, you know, with, um, like how in the NBA, the Nash, like the games on national TV are featuring teams with, good records or star players is it uh is it a thing in the nfl where you know these exclusive slots monday night thursday night you know the sunday evening game are those usually given to teams that are in kind of like you know the teams that you'll see on national tv and with the nba games teams that feature better talent teams that have better records teams that have larger fan bases like is that a thing yeah yeah, that, I mean, that's that's 100% generally what they want to do. They want to get as many of those primetime slots to have, like, the juiciest games, right? But, right, you, right? You, and so, 
then that ends up, that could end up cucking some of the better teams. Like the Colts and the Patriots, for instance, they're towards the bottom of this list, right? But they are prime candidates for primetime games in the last 10 years um, because they've both been very good for the last 10 years. Um, and but Which is so funny, like why? because uh, that's why I asked where the Cowboys were. And it's surprising to see them in the top 10 because I would, I would expect to see them right down there with the Eagles and the Giants. Exactly right. Like it's, right. It's very interesting. That's what you would expect. But, that, that, but that's exactly why we're looking at this. And it's very clear that there is some sort of like inequitable scheduling that's happening because it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that like there are very specific teams in the last 10, in the last 10 years that you would want to give the most primetime games. You would expect them to be on like the, the similar level of spectrum in terms of in, in terms of schedule equity, and yet they're at opposite ends of the spectrum for some reason. I'm not going to explicitly say why, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I, 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 we need to make sure we're not reading too much into it, but you yeah. know, I'm sure that well, let's just say that the Dallas Cowboys making the postseason perennially would be uh, very good for the league, right? <laughs> My God, and yet they stuck in the playoffs like <laughs> my god yeah it, it is true right the the playoffs like once you hit the playoffs right that's when all of this is equalized right the playoffs are the great equalizer of all of this yeah and right? you realize you know, that the cowboys are just a a a product of their favorable schedule jesus christ man like give me a break well i i think it's interesting but um you know but yeah schedules out People are going to be betting. DraftKings, please sponsor us. Please sponsor but, uh, us. Honest <laughs> to God. FanDuel, sports bet, any of you. Um, I, I, we can move on to NBA. Let's, let's do, do it. it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, let's, let's first talk about you know, the conclusion, right? Because it has been a week and a half, right? And the conclusion of the conference semifinals. There are some things that we need to address. Um, <laughs> Let's get the uh, the elephant out of the room. What the hell happened with the Phoenix Suns? What the hell happened? So, so, um, I mean, first off, let's not discount the Dallas Mavericks and how fucking off the wall, balls to the wall they played uh, in this series. Some of those shots that that they were making, bonkers, like they played out of their mind and. And let's give Luca due credit because that guy's a monster. And 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 how you know that for real is that when you talk to NBA players, players who are in the playoffs every year, they are scared of playing against Luca. They are not scared of playing against the Suns. No one on the Suns scare them. Playing Luca scares NBA players. That's how you know that Luca is in that class, is in the is in the top tier class of, of Giannis, LeBron, KD, right? Because players are scared to play against that guy. It's, he's, he's a monster. Um, right. And Spencer Dinwiddie had Wizards fans punching the air. Oh yeah. <laughs> and and because... Jalen Brunson also played really well. Yes. Yes. Um yeah, I, I, I don't know what happened, man. And so Chris what? Paul ever ever since ever since Chris Paul's turned thirty seven, <laughs> that's the narrative, you know, right? We need we need we need Max Kellerman to apply the cliff theory because <laughs> because Chris literally turned into his State Farm alter ego Cliff. 
<laughs> and it's it. I don't know what happened to so them. So I, I, like I think they. Ran, I think what happened to them is exactly what happened in Milwaukee. They they ran out of gas. They ran out of gas, and um, it's a combination of a few things. It's a combination of like Chris Paul is old now. He's thirty seven. Like that's old. He he's an old he's an old man now. And the problem is that when you're that old and you're not the same physically that you were before. Um, and you you just played a six game series in the first round, and now you're trying to play a seven game series in the second round. Um, obviously, like you're going to tire out. But secondly, Dallas like figured out like they just need to aggressively blitz and attack Chris Paul, and that's how you beat him. This is a this is a coaching point. Like Chris Paul has been beaten in the playoffs again and again and again and there's a formula to beating chris paul in the playoffs that's why it happened so consistently that's why this guy is not a champion and you know frankly as much as i love chris paul may never be a champion because there's a formula to beating chris paul in the playoffs and blitzing him when he has the ball in his hands and it's happened every single playoffs and every series that he's lost that's what's happened. That's the formula. And as long as you have players, which in the playoffs you should, have, have players that can execute on that game plan, then you are not going to lose to a Chris Paul team, probably. That, that's what it is. And I, I, don't, I don't know. I, well, there's, there's, we have to talk about DeAndre Ayton, but like, what, else do you, what else do you have to say about, what, about Chris Paul here? Uh. The thing is, is if your theory about this whole six game and seven game, and I and I and I and I buy it, if it is true, it is it is sorely disappointing because it wasn't just game seven that the man mm-hmm. underperformed. Mm-hmm. He has been underperforming, you know, since game four. He has not been the same, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, I think it goes to show you, you know, in terms of you know the fitness, maybe I don't know what it is. It's just not good enough. Like if this isn't even the conference finals, this is the semifinals. Like. If this is where his energy, his stamina tops out, he this mountain to climb that he has in front of him is just, I'm afraid it's just too tall, right? Yeah, it's just, um, I think we have to just come to the sad conclusion that this is just who he is at this point. Like... If you look at his, if you look at his playoff, um, his playoff resume is not pretty. It's not pretty what <laughs> what happens to his teams in the playoffs. Like barring last year, pretty much, right? Um, barring last year, it's just it's not pretty what happened. Um, and frankly, even last year, you could argue it was not very pretty. They were up 2-0. In the finals, they were up 2-0, and then they lost four in a row. That's nuts. Losing four in a row in the finals, in any case, is that's pretty. That's that is tough. Right, that's that tough. is that is absolutely nuts. But like, that's not the first time this happened to him. Um. Oh my! Like, I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say because I mean, the only way it could have gone worse is to have lost four in a row after going up three zero. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. It's the only way it could get worse from there. That's the only way it could get worse, but it's just, it's time and time again, Chris Paul comes out and and disappoints us in the playoffs, in the the moments that that matter most. Um, and, And frankly, so this is why, actually, this is actually why I'm so salty to this day, why... Uh, about the NBA blocking the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers um, earlier on his career when he was still with New New Orleans. Because I think having a guy like Kobe next to him would have helped Chris Paul elevate to that next level. Because think about his career. Think about his career in the playoffs. Think about the stars that were next to him they weren't stars who had gotten it done before. In Houston, it was James Harden, notorious for choking in the playoffs, right? Here in Phoenix, his stars are, are Devin Booker and DeAndre Aiden, young stars who have not gotten it done before. Um, on the Clippers, it was Blake Griffin, but it, it was Chris Paul running the show. He he was he was the number one guy. He's never had that other guy who has been who's had that you know call it the Mamba mentality because I brought up Kobe, but like that, that kind of tenacity and, and um, the, the, the level of competitiveness that you need to win a championship. He hasn't had that guy next to him on the roster to help elevate him ever in his career. That's why I'm still, I'm so salty because I wish for both the Lakers, but also for Chris Paul's career. If I feel like if he had that, if he had linked up with Kobe earlier in his career, then Kobe really could have helped him elevate that that mental aspect of his game, where he could have had a much different career than than he ended up having. I don't know. That, that's just my thought. Yeah. On, yeah. No. I I hundred percent agree with that. I if if there's anybody that's gonna you know if it, it and, and we can definitely say for sure that if it didn't work if it didn't if it uh would not have worked out for him in LA with Kobe then there is no salvation yeah there's truly, nothing at that that, point. so there's nothing but yeah. it, it's so hard to think that it wouldn't like i don't know Anyways. no it, it, at the very least he would have been a, a champion yeah um, yeah right it's like, yeah. like maybe not a champion with him like being the main guy but he would have been a champion for sure, for and his sure. career would have looked very different. Yeah, right. So, um, yeah, that's no. It is a shame. Um, what did you want to say about DeAndre Ayton? Guy was no show. <laughs> he was a no show. <laughs> what, what, what do you do with him? I mean, he he, he you you pick the guy over uh, Luka Doncic, I believe they were in the same draft class. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yep. And well. Doesn't this really slap you in the face? Ready for the Phoenix Suns? Yeah, and... especially when he needs to give, be given a contract <laughs> extension now, right? Um... Exactly, and people are saying they should let him walk, and because like that's how much like Phoenix Suns fans are shook right now. Like, like they're just like they're so rattled. They're like saying, just "Let him walk." Honestly, I'm done with this. Like, well, so so there are a few things to consider here. Is okay. So number one, like. I don't know if you if you caught that that press conference after Game Seven um, when they were talking to I believe it was their head coach, the Suns coach, um, and they were asking you know what happened to Aiton like he didn't he didn't do shit 
and he, and and the answer, I don't think I caught that part. Oh, uh, and yeah. he was saying, um, he said it was it's internal, it's internal. Um, so right, yeah. So so that's the first mm. thing. It's like okay, like uh, what does that mean? And the second thing is, I, I think this contract thing has been kind of hanging over DeAndre's head, um, this entire season, um, and and he just hasn't lived up to it, like. In, in your contract season, if you don't have an extension yet, then you need to kill yourself to like to show them that you better you better sign me or you're gonna regret it. Like DeAndre has shown that he doesn't have it. And do you want to give a supermax to a guy who has shown that he doesn't have that, like as part of him? I don't I think that's why the Suns fans are, are saying, you know, let him go. The third thing to consider here is the the meta. Okay, I don't. How do I keep using meta in sports here? Uh, like the okay, that's the best word. I don't know. It, the meta of the Western Conference is small ball. Like how many how many top tier Western Conference teams do you see with like a dominating center? What Minnesota has cats. That's it. There's there's no one else. Um, it, that's the that's the dominating style of play in the West, and so if you're going to compete there, then you better be competing small ball unless you have like a Giannis, which obviously they don't. DeAndre Aiden is not that. Um, so the, then, like, do you want to be paying thirty million dollars, whatever it is, uh, for a for a center who is not going to be the the the, the center point of your offense or your defense? who is not going to have the same impact as Giannis, and you're playing in a conference that plays a lot of small ball, and he just is not a good fit. Like, do you want to do that? I don't know. These, these are I think things. you would be absolutely insane. You would be insane to give DeAndre a, a super max. Yeah, yeah. That, that's franchise suicide. Mm-hmm. Like, that is, gonna, that is a move they will 100% regret. The only guys that are untouchable in this team, as far as I'm concerned... Or Devin Booker and Mikael Bridges. That's it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That's it. Agree. And everybody else, Chris Paul, I think. Trade you know, Chris Paul. If it weren't for the fact that, it, I mean, his contract is, I, I think it's, it's not movable. He's just paid, getting paid way too much. I honestly, for the next two years. You know, there we go. I got it. I got it. I solved it. No, you didn't. Yeah, swap him for Westbrook here. There you go. You're welcome. Oh, you're welcome. I've done it. No, done the Suns wouldn't it. do I've that. Solved it. I, Suns, I'm not saying that they would do that. I'm saying I solved it. It would definitely make the Lakers better. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it would make the Suns better. I think it would make the Suns. Well, I think it would give them a little something different. It would be like adding more chaos. It could go. It could go really, really poorly. But I guess I see your point. You're like, you know, like this is definitely the window is going to close at this rate. Yeah. If it hasn't already. Yeah. Shake it up and just take a gamble. Yeah. With a short term. I mean, because how many years does Westwick have on his contract? Probably not that much. So it is a short term experiment, if anything. Yeah. That's better than giving DeAndre in a Supermax right now. DeAndre in Supermax is not the answer. Yeah, that that ain't it. (laughs) That ain't it. That's definitely not it. If I'm the Suns, I... Wait, is he is he going to be an RFA or unrestricted? I would I would assume RFA. 
Yeah, like as long as he's the RFA. He's still, he's still young. Yeah, as long as he's the RFA, and then like no one else like offers him like something ridiculous, I I would just match the tender. Like, and no one else is gonna offer him. Yeah, exactly, ridiculous. exactly. So, so there's so there's like, no way there's to no, even put the exactly. backs on. So the table that's why there's no reason for the Suns to like to to give him an extension right away. Like, just just wait, because he's gonna yeah. realize that yeah. he's shit in the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's done it to himself right yeah, I think I like his, his effort wasn't there his effort wasn't there and so you know i i don't have any i don't have sympathy for you know his, his situation i think you know the play just doesn't deserve it so yep, i agree um but the mavs make it out and of course they get um crushed by the warriors i mean i think the fairy tale kind of ends here right i mean you got to think the warriors just have too much quality um Shout out to my boy Otto Porter. I mean, I'd love to see him doing well. He's been good. And he's been good. No, he he's a good role player, right? He's a good three and D guy. I mean, he yep. he never should have been given the big contract by the Wizards. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's not that much money, but he is definitely an NBA quality player. Absolutely. And he'll he, and he should be like, you know, within, you know, the seventh or the eighth man off the bench for sure. Yeah, for, a, for sure. For a, I think a championship team. He's like a, he he's that kind of quality. He's a very solid, like He's not the shooter that Danny Green was, but like that's the kind of player that he reminds me of in terms of like role on a team, right? Yeah, it's 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 a it's a good fit for a modern team, I think, and and so and of course you have uh, the big guns, uh, Jordan Poole, and so it, it just feels like that first game was a blowout. I mean, I'm not going to expect four blowouts, but uh, the Mavs, I just don't see. Maybe I think they'll win one or two games. For sure, um, Luca's too good to just like you yeah. Know, it's time to see swept. what it's time to see what Luca's made of. Although, like I would argue, we've already you know what seen man, it. like Luca doesn't have to prove anything else to me. Like you know him just just destroying the Suns. I'm like you know what, dude. Like you don't need to prove anything to me. I I'll He's definitely know that you going down to the Warriors. It's gonna be um, no tarnish on his exactly. Sure. It would have been an honorable yeah. run from Luca. Exactly. What a, exactly. What a, what a beast. Let's talk about um, the Eastern Conference, though, because <sighs> the Celtics, you know, not only winning, you know, well, well, let, let's 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 backtrack. You know, the the finals predictions that we had. You actually said Warriors. I think you're gonna get you're gonna get your finals matchup that you said that. I think you would, so. You know, I think I think I think I'm to. going to. I think I'm going to. Yeah. I think you're going to. I think you're going to. Not but, in the way that I, mean, I come wanted. On. Like, yeah, the, the the Suns going out like that. Like, I don't. I don't think anybody who like put the Suns in the finals like really deserves any flack because that was that was a choke of monumental proportions. Yeah. Like, yeah. It wasn't even a contest, right? Yeah. But it. But it seems like the Celtics are gonna get there, and again, you know, the Warriors I think are gonna get there as well. Well, actually, I mean, I don't know. Maybe you might think the Celtics are not going to get there. I mean, I think the Celtics are going to get there. And first of all, splitting, not only splitting the away legs one and one. And so now, technically, it's a start. It's it's a best out of five with Boston Celtics having home court advantage. Not only that, game two is a more accurate reality of what you're going to see in the series given the addition of smart and horford back into the lineup in game two this is what it is this is the defense that you're going to see this is the result that you're going to see and i don't see heat surviving more than six games 
six games, baby. I think it's going to be Celtics taking it. Yeah, I, I think I think game two really showed like, well, it showed two things, right? It showed one how much depth and quality Boston has, and then two, it showed like how important actually Marcus Smart and Al Horford are to this team, um, because it looked like a different team defensively, uh, which is what they're known for, right? They're they're known for being locked out on defense. It it was a completely different team. Um, and match up with those two guys in the lineup. Um, Smart is ridiculous, man. Like, that guy with his, like, long arms and just his, like, instinct and aggression on defense, is, he's so good. Like, Yeah, physicality. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it, he's really good. And then Al Horford, like, running, running up and down the court like he's 25 years old. That, I don't know, I don't know what, like, if you went to like the the fountain of youth or something in <laughs> um before these playoffs but my god like he he looks good and the greatest thing is that he's such a capable defender capable of defending pretty much anyone on the heat um and interestingly enough you, you know um Horford actually has the most isolation uh like defenses like defensive possessions in the playoffs this year um that's how much they trusted him to to uh, be a good defender one on one against you know whoever it is with the ball. Uh, so as much as we all like love and talk about Marcus Smart and his impact defensively on the team, Al Horford has also been extremely impactful. Um, I'll get further into it when we talk a little bit more about like stats later. But like he's been he's been integral to the defense of this team. Yeah, and you know, don't forget, like you know, the 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 uh, the role pieces that they have around, right? Robert Williams had a great game one, yeah. showing them that even with those guys out of the line, lineup, they are not going to go down without a fight. For sure, they have Grant Williams, who, like, obviously, we saw just torched the Milwaukee Bucks in in the earlier series. He's capable of you know heating up from three. Peyton Pritchard is capable of heating up from three. This is this is a championship team. And you're right, Horford and Smart are what take this team from being contenders to get to the finals to contend to winning it all. Yeah. That's what I think. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. They they really kind of finish out and round out this team to, to make it championship caliber. Um, and I think that's what we saw in game two. I think that's what we're going to see for, for the rest of the series here. Um, they just really need to kind of manage maybe um, their health. Uh, because you you don't want to lose one of those guys going into the finals, um, because uh, like like we just said, like they they need these guys. These guys are these guys are very important to the the DNA of this team and how they play. Um, so they're they're going to need them. Unluckily un- for the Heat, you know they're kind of going the opposite direction. Like Kyle Lowry may or may not be back, um, and then you he's know, the guy that's missing. Like I think you know. I've sang my praises about Kyle Lowry. I didn't like him when he played against the Raptors only because he was a good player. And <laughs> he is a piece that's really missing. You know, his outside shot, you know, is important. I know Butler's been competent from three-point this playoffs. I mean, he's been competent, you know, shooting the ball in general this playoffs. But he never has been a three-point guy. Yeah, he's not and, a three-point um, guy. He's not a three-point Well, he's, he's shooting 34%, and he's attempting four a game. So he's he can hit them, but it's just yeah, he's definitely not. That's not his bread and butter. 
Um, yeah, 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 for sure. And 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 Kyle's the guy that needs to be taking those outside shots, you know, along with guys like uh, Tyler Hero and whatnot. But I think, um, I mean, yeah, they just don't have enough. Yeah, they 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 don't, and especially like I I hope PJ Tucker's okay. Dude, is there news on him coming back? Uh, he's gonna go. He's gonna undergo an MRI. Um, PJ Tucker has been like as much as. Al Horford has been an important like defensive component for the Boston Celtics. PJ Tucker has, if the Miami Heat did not have PJ Tucker, I think they would have they would have gone down to Philly at, the, at least. Yeah, they would have gone down to Philly. They they would not have made it past Philly. Yeah, dude is one of the most underrated players in the league. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was so integral to the Milwaukee team when they won. And he's now like you know, putting in shifts for the Heat. Um, yeah, that's a big loss. That's it's a big, a loss, big sure. loss that they that they can't have. But yeah, it, it feels like Boston's gonna gonna kind of run away with a small one. Um, even if Kyle Lowry does come back, he's not gonna be a hundred percent. Yeah, I I think I think it'll definitely with Kyle Lowry this game this series goes to seven, um, and I feel less confident. Um, but that's Kyle but Lowry I would at probably 100%, still lean. Right, right, right exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. assuming Kyle Lowry at 100%. Yeah, I mean, which, like, it's, and, it's not going to probably happen. Yeah. I mean, the, like, him being 100%, you know, this seat for this, for much of this season is why, you know, they were, I believe, the first seat to begin with. Yeah, because yeah. he really completed that team and really compliments uh, uh, Jimmy really well. Yep, yep, yep. But, but man... I'm not going to let you get away. You know, we're, we're, this podcast is not ending until you address, you know, some of the, some of the backstage language that you uttered no, um, no, last week. No, you, you insinuated this as well. And you doubled down on it again. I'm going to triple down on it today. No. I'm ready. I can't believe you seriously think, Jimmy, well... I need to I, I need to first assess your position a little bit better to make sure that I'm not going insane. So to my understanding, you're saying Jimmy Butler is a more valuable player right now based on form. Is that what you're saying? Oh, or are man. you saying that he's a better asset in general? Like that, I, I, that's what I need to know than Jason Tatum. I think that because because you, because you 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 can really cherry pick this, and I need to make sure that you know you're you're not taking a weaker position than so, you actually are. You know, making this out to be. So let me make it very clear. I'm gonna be Stephen A. here. Let me make this very clear. <laughs> In terms of value, if we're just talking about value, I don't think there's a context between Butler and Tatum. I don't think I think they're miles, Grand Canyon apart in terms of value okay that that's the first thing if we talk, if we're gonna talk about like asset, like just like player to player who's the better player right now i i, I think it's an argument I, i'd say it's not it's not as strongly towards jimmy as it is in the value conversation but i'm gonna stick up for my boy i think stick up for my boy butler because dude's been beasting all playoffs, all postseason. He's the man. He's the man. 
All right. <laughs> okay, the first point. He is more valuable. That 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 is that is that is such a ridiculous <laughs> argument to even have. And why is that? Why? Because why is that? Because we can clearly agree that the Heat are just an inferior team right now without Kyle Lowry. They are clearly an inferior team without Jimmy Butler. Yeah. And clearly, uh, then you know, then a Celtics team without Tatum. But that only speaks to the Celtics' death, right? And yeah. you're basically saying that, oh, well, you know, since Jimmy does everything for this team, you take them out, then they're going to be totally lost. I mean, yeah, but that's just a depth thing. And, and let's, let's remind ourselves, we're talking about a Celtics team that I believe is going to win it all and a Heat team that I think the road is going to end here and the road was going to end here. And so this whole, like, you know, valuable, like, you know, it, I'll, I'll say it this way. You could say this exact same thing if Jason Tatum was right now on the Heat and Jimmy Butler was on the Celtics. You would say the exact same thing about Jason Tatum being a more valuable player. That's because in, 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 by virtue of the Heat just having a shittier team outside of the main guy. The thing is, the thing especially is, the case without Kyle. The Lally. thing is, the thing is that is a that's a Weasley no, argument no, to make. No, that's no, what no, I'm no, saying. No, you're, you're being a no, Weasel no, no. making the that thing, argument. The thing is, I don't know that. I don't know that I would say that because I haven't seen him do that. I've seen Jimmy oh, Butler do this. I've watched him in this entire postseason do this, carry this team on his back. All right, let's bring up. Okay, let's go to the numbers. Let's go to the numbers. The the, the numbers are stark. It's stark, Andy. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. All right. And again, and again, you. If you're going to make any arguments solely based off of this playoff numbers, I am immediately going to veto that. Yes, By the way, playoff numbers. Of course this playoff no, numbers. No. No, you, you you cannot say this player is better than someone over one playoff run. I'm not going to accept that. No, no, no. I'm not going to accept we're gonna, that. We're going to start with a value argument. We're going to start with a value. <clears throat> we're start with a value argument. All right. So, win shares Win shares in these playoffs. So for anyone who doesn't know, win shares are an estimate of the number of wins contributed by a player uh, due to their production on both offense and defense, like their overall game. If you look at these playoffs, the win shares per player is like there's a there's a number one and then there's a there's a huge drop off into who's next. Number one, Jimmy Butler, 3.2 win share. Over three games of wins by himself. You know who the next guy is? Who number two is? 1.8, Al Horford. It's not even Jason Tatum. He's not even the guy. He's not even the number one guy of win shares on his own team these postseason. Jason Tatum's win shares, 1.5. Less than half of Jimmy Butler in these playoffs. All right. All right, all right. If uh, you're going to use this win shares argument, well, let's take a look at Jimmy Butler's win shares. I am looking. 
Looking at looking his Chicago dad. season, it, the, and this is regular season. I mean, I'm going to use regular season. Why? Because it's a, it's a bigger sample size. You no, it is it is absolutely ridiculous to use win shares after what a sample size of how many games they played in the playoffs. They played they played twelve then thirteen games, but. No, 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 VORP. This is value over replacement player. Basically, it's the equivalent of okay, if we replace a player with an average player, how much like value are would they be generating? Like right? incremental value. Again, top of the list, Jimmy Butler, one point eight. Jason Tatum, <laughs> number four at one point zero. And then right below him, Al Horford, 0.9. Below him, Jalen Brown, 0.7. This is the amount of help. This is the amount of help that Jason Tatum has been getting in these playoffs. The next Miami guy is Bam Adebayo all the way down at 0.5. Jimmy's been doing it all. Oh. I'm not done. I'm all not these stats... PER, player efficiency rating, number one, Jimmy fucking Buckets, 33.1. Where's Jason Tatum? Number 13, 20.2, under the likes of Jalen Brunson, Brandon Clark, DeAndre Ayton, Jonas Valanciunas. Oh my lord, God help me. All right, all right, let's go, let's go even further. Let's go, even, I, ain't, I ain't done yet. I ain't done yet. I ain't done yet. I ain't done yet. Points per game in these playoffs. Number four, Jimmy Butler, 29.8 points per game. You were telling me Jimmy Butler's got nothing on Jason Tatum in terms of scoring? Who's underneath Jimmy Butler? Jason Tatum, 28.2 points per game. More steal leader in steals per game in these playoffs. Jimmy Butler. Defensive That's going to change. Defensive win The share. points per game? Don't worry, Son, huh? By the time this series is done, that's going to change. <laughs> defensive win shares, offensive win shares, um, offensive rating, defensive rating, Jimmy Butler always above Jason Tatum in all of those categories. In all of those categories. If anything, if anything, right, in terms of offensive, defensive rating, you would expect Jason Tatum to be higher because having good teammates actually helps you with those kind of ratings, right? Nope. Jimmy Butler higher in all of those categories than Jason Tatum, despite having unequivocally worse teammates around him. That's my case. Welcome to the world of Jimmy Buckets. You know, <clears throat> all these advanced stats, you know, you're throwing at me, Sana. You know, for, for the people out there, you know, Sana's a really smart guy, you know. <laughs> Sana likes to throw out a lot of numbers, <laughs> you know, and the thing is, is as, as, as we all know, you know, the, 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 the pundits of this game, 
the ones that only exclusively rely on the numbers are quite frequently wrong. And why is that? Because they don't re- they, they 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 don't understand the intangibles of the game. They don't understand the role that a player is playing on the team. They don't they don't understand they don't understand uh, hi- historical numbers. They're too caught up in the moment. And 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 look at all all these numbers that Sanha's spewing out. I like everybody, you know, to to understand that all of these stats that, that he has uttered is based on the postseason of 2022. Yeah. I mean, that is that is ridiculous. I mean, no, Jimmy Butler is having a very good playoff. No, you're yeah. absolutely right. You're absolutely right. But let's take a look at the finals run. He had 22 points per game. Let's look at Jason Tatum in his earlier runs. 30 points per game last one and then uh, 25 points per game in, in the year before. He has, he has shown and demonstrated more prolific scoring. And for you to say that, you know, this season, oh, he's got he's got point. What is it? Point. I don't even know, man. It's what, he's, what? he's got one point six points more. Oh, oh, my God. Oh, uh, call the presses. That means it's over. Right. I mean, that. Hey, and, by the way, more points it, per game. And anybody minutes. and anybody who and anybody who's watching the modern NBA understands that you need to be scoring three point field goals to succeed in the playoffs. And Jimmy Butler's only attempting four. And you know that those are easy looks, right? And he's hitting thir- he's hitting three percent. Fine, it's fine. Let me tell you this: Jason Tatum this. is Jason Tatum is pulling the trigger on nine three pointers, and you bet those are challenging three pointers. Those are not easy looks all the time. You know that's the case, and he's still scoring at a more efficient rate of thirty nine percent. What do you think is going to level out in the long term? That three point productivity is going to show. And Jimmy, we know that he is not a 34% three-point shooter. That is not indicative of his, even, even, even his playoff numbers. It doesn't say that he can shoot at this level. Um, he, he hit, he hit, he hit uh, when, when he was in Philly, when he was in Chicago. I mean, he's never been you know, a, a three-point shooter. Uh, and even with the Heat, and the finals run, yes, he shot, he shot 35%. And you might think, oh, well, that means he's good. But he's only shooting two a game. He's only shooting two a game. And so... <laughs> The argument that I'm making is that we all know Tatum's got the tools. And, and you know, and let's not, let's not forget the opposition that they had to play to get here. You think, you think shooting threes over Giannis is easy? You think going toe-to-toe with, you know, the best stars in the game, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving was easy? You know, as Kevin, Kevin Durant himself once said, you know, the hardest road. Consider that when you think about whether... Jimmy Butler, who has had to play a Philly without Joel Embiid, a toothless tiger, to get to this, get to where they are now, and what the Celtics had to go through, the bo- the bonafide, the, the the biggest names in the league to get where he is now, we are seeing a superstar grow before our own our own eyes, and, and his name and is Jimmy Butler. <laughs> and, and and the thing is, let me remind you that Jimmy Butler. Is a 32-year-old at the top of his game. This is yeah. the best that it's going to get. Yeah. And, and Jason Tatum, flip those numbers because we got a 23-year-old that is putting up numbers and doing work. And it only gets better from here. Right. And so... Let, let me explain to you why Jason Tatum was below uh, Jimmy Butler and all those metrics. Because I, I listened to you, the, the, all the different metrics that Jimmy Butler leads the playoffs in, right, this season. Let me, let me list off the ones that Jason Tatum leads. 
Field goals missed. Number one, Jason Tatum. He's taking the most. Turnover. He's taking the most. That's his job. Turnovers. Number one, Jason Tatum. This is why. This is this is why. This is why he's below in PER, efficiency rating, uh, value over replacement rating, all these things. This is why. Because he's shooting a lot, but he's also missing a lot. He's handling the ball a lot, but he... Let me, let me tell you, Jason Tatum is a good dribbler for being, what is he, 6'9"? He's probably listed at 6'8", but he's probably like 6'9", really. For having the most turnovers in these playoffs. These things, you can't, you can't tell me that the player who leads the playoff in turnovers is the best player in the playoffs. Like, you can't tell me this. I won't, I won't accept this. I won't accept this. As long as he's not turning over the ball in the critical moments and as long as his team is winning, it doesn't matter to me. His team is winning despite doesn't matter him. to me. His team is winning despite him. I rest my case. I think it's pretty clear who the better player you is. You know, at the, at the end of the series, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna revisit this and we're going to see who outplayed who. Oh, I don't think you're going to want to do gonna, that, Sonha, because the case is not going to get any we're, better. No, I believe in Jimmy Buckets because, okay, you talked about intangibles before. Jimmy Buckets brings a level of intensity and edge. Do you know what he said? Do you know what he said after, after losing game two? He said, I don't want to move on from this. I want to remember this and I want to carry this and I want to use this to fuel, to fuel me and my teammates for the remainder of this series. This is the kind of guy, this is the kind of player that Jimmy Buckets is. You know why? You know why he was not so good in Philly and in Chicago? Because in Chicago, he had a bunch of youngins who didn't know what the shit they were doing, who were very unprofessional, and he couldn't get behind that. In Philly, he was dealing with this whole Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons bullshit. And he was like, this is unprofessional. I'm not down with this. So he comes to Miami and he hits Oh, no, no, no. Don't twist the narrative. He wanted to stay on that team. He's the one that got exiled. I, I don't think He that. wanted to stay with Joel Embiid. Yeah, with Joel Embiid. He didn't, he, didn't want to, he didn't want to be on the team where Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons are constantly chilling. Oh, let's not act like he's, he's, he's just this ultimate, like, you know, infallible judge of character. Clearly, he wants to stay with no, Joel Embiid. No, I'm not, I'm not trying to say that Jimmy Butler is the greatest guy ever because he's clearly not. But I'm, what I'm trying to say, though, is that in terms of intangibles, he still brings this veteran leadership that this Miami Heat team desperately actually did need. And he's rallied the guys around him, of course, with the help of Eric Spolstra, but he's rallied the guys around him to come to the conference finals. Intangibles, those are intangibles right there. Oh, yeah. I mean, I would expect a 32 year old oh to play nine years in the league oh to at least know that by this point. Put some, come on. put some respect on this 32 year old thing. A 32 year old, he's. Jason Tatum is a 23-year-old that's, that's basically captaining this team. Listen to Get me. Get out listen, of listen here. To me, listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. All right. Take Jason Tatum out of Game 1 roster. 
take Jimmy Butler out of game one roster, which roster would you have rather have? Yeah. Yeah, that's my case. <laughs> that's my case right there. That's my case. That's it. That's what what is the what is the case? <laughs> the case You're just saying that to say The case is that when 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 the field was even, where you don't have an immediate answer for which roster, which supporting cast you would have rather had in that game one, who outplayed who? Yeah. Oh my god, yeah. get out of here with your yeah. you're, you're, you're based on one game. That's oh, you know is. what? You know what? That's you know what? what? This this podcast, we're we're gonna sign out now, but <laughs> let me tell you, next week we're gonna have a lot more data and we're gonna have a lot more um we're gonna have a lot more um a, a bigger of a sample size to kind of compare this because going off of one game, don't be ridiculous. Come on, a sample don't size, be ridiculous. A sample size where he has Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Al a sample size, A sample size where this series ends in six games and oh, we're going to have four more exhibits to look at, this, my friend. This is, this is not right. Maybe it's not going to be four games by then, but it, but it, it's, it's going to be more samples. Put Jimmy Butler in Jason Tatum's shoes. Tell me you don't All have right, the same results. <clears throat> All right, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, that, that, that I think that's gonna be it for this week. Um, I'm really looking forward to these games. Yeah, me too. It's gonna Man. be exciting. It's almost like it's almost like Jason Tatum at this point is a stock that I just bought in like very deep into. I really need him to um like prove me right. Um, and uh, you know, I I didn't think ever think that dude, this podcast makes me do very weird things. I I would not have imagined I've been you know rooting for the Celtics success this this hard, but uh. Uh, what it make what it makes me do Jimmy, um, Jimmy, Jimmy. <laughs> in any case we're gonna sign off for this week as always keep it 111 yeah